Good morning, church. Man, I'm so glad that you are here today to celebrate our risen Savior. And I know you're glad that you're here as well. Why don't you turn to the person next to your right and left and say, I'm glad that you're here today. That was very authentic. Good job. Excellent. No, we are excited that you're here today, man. What a blessing it is to come together as the family of God. Bring his name before each and every one of our lips to praise him for all that he's done for us. Indeed, he is the ultimate overcomer, is he not? And in Jesus Christ, we too can overcome whatever life throws our way as we continue to unpack this story of Joseph and be reminded about our faithfulness to God and his faithfulness to us as well. What a joy it is to be with you this morning. We're so glad that uh, we've got some guests in our audience today. Thank you for joining us, being a part of our time together. We're really glad that you're here. Of course, if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to think about Cross Point being that place you could call home to join us in telling the story of God, that hope that is Jesus Christ that this world desperately needs to hear. We'd love for you to be a part of that process in this family as well. Well, we're in the third week of Overcomer where we're digging through the story of Joseph to discover some truths about life that are practical for us to take in. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 39 this morning, and I hope you've got your Bibles. We'll turn with me there. We'll be there in just a few moments, but our text will be on the screen as well. There are going to be some things that we talk about today that you're going to want to highlight, underline, draw circles around, arrows to, because they're going to be important for our walk in this life with Christ. They're going to be great reminders of how we too can overcome because of Jesus Christ. Now, my guess is you've had some high moments in your life, some low moments in your life, uh, and you've experienced those ups and downs along the way, and it's gone back and forth for the most part. I've never bought a lottery ticket, and I won't ask you to raise a hand if you have, but, but my guess is if I ever did, I would always kind of bargain with God. I, I'm not sure how you feel about this. But maybe if I bought a lottery ticket, I'd say, God, if I can win, just I would give you half. I would give you half, and, and maybe I would take the other half and pay off my debt and maybe support a children's home. I will do great things with the money, God, if you just let me win. Uh, there have been moments where those folks along the way have bought lottery tickets, and they have won. And you and I see that, that huge number that they take home with them. But generally, if you follow them in the next year or two, they're right back where they started. They experienced this really high in life, maybe millions of dollars, and now they're right back where they started. They couldn't manage the money properly. They had it high in life, and now they're back in the valley. They're back in the low, so to speak. And I know that you've had moments like that in your life as well. Moments where you experienced an all-time high, and I don't know what that was for you. Maybe it was bringing your firstborn home with you, that small, cute baby. And then a day later, they started pooping, and you were like, what happened to this? I'm not sure. That was a low, maybe, for some of you. I don't know. Maybe it was the moment that she said yes, and that was the high, or, or the first time that you opened the door to their first home that you opened. I don't know what the high is for you, but you've had those moments in life. You've also experienced lows. And as we unpack the story of Joseph, what we discover along the way is he too experienced highs and lows, but no matter where he found himself on the mountain, he was always faithful to God, whether a high or a low. I mean, we read just a, a couple of weeks ago about the life of Joseph, how it started. He's 17 years old. He's having dreams that his family and probably friends are going to be bowing down before him. That's pretty exciting for a 17-year-old. I'm going to be the center of attention. 
He's also dad's favorite. And that's very obvious to all the other family members because of the lavish gifts that dad gives Joseph. As a matter of fact, he doesn't have to go out and work. He stays home with dad at 17. There's a lot of highs going on in Joseph's life. But as you continue to read the story, you kind of see what is happening in his life. I mean, Joseph's mother died during childbirth to the 12th son, Benjamin, at about age six or seven. So Joseph is without his mom his entire life for the most part. We know that his brothers hate him because of he is the favorite of dad. And it's, it's evident by the robe that he wears and the other intricate gifts that God gives him. And we read last week about them seeing him delivering a message from home, from dad. He's in the field with his brothers. He's showing up and they're so angry with him that they rip his clothes off. They throw him in a cistern and then sell him into slavery. And now he's headed for Egypt. And my guess would be in Joseph's mind, I'll never see my home or my family again. Can you imagine the low going from dad's favorite to now I'm just a piece of property and no one even knows where I'm at. It's up and down. And despite the ups and downs, what we see in Joseph's life is his dedication to God. His realization that even in the tough moments in life, That God still walks with me. He's still with me. And our story this morning begins in chapter 39 and verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, this is going to be a recurring theme in this chapter. And if you've got your own Bible, I want to encourage you to circle it, underline it, draw an arrow to it. The Lord was with Joseph. It's going to be important as a reminder to us that even in moments of distress, God is with us. When we've taken on his son as our savior, when we walk with God, God doesn't leave us even in difficult moments. So the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, I don't want to glaze over this part. I think it's incredible testimony to who God is. Here here we have someone who's a nobleman in in Egypt. He, He rubs elbows with the king of the known world. This guy named Potiphar. He worships all the different gods that Egypt has to offer. And yet in his own house, he realizes that there's a guy named Joseph who serves a totally different God than he's ever heard of before and realizes this God is alive and well and is with Joseph. He acknowledges the God of Israel is in his house. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. And this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. And all his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. 
Can you imagine having such trust in someone? You didn't worry about paying the bills, about changing the air, air filters in your home. You didn't worry about anything except where you're going to go for lunch. And I know I just planted that seed in your mind right now, but pay attention. <laughs> lunch is coming, but that's, that's down the pike somewhere else. Joseph quickly climbs the ladder of success. He shows he has leadership skill. Potiphar latches onto that. But understand that all of that comes to be because of what is said in verse 2. The Lord is with Joseph. Our success in life is only because the Lord might be with us. We give him accolade for all that we have in life. And today we're going to begin to unpack this idea of how do we overcome temptation when it comes our way. Because church, I will promise you, if you've not already experienced it, it will. It will come your way. Temptation is something that we all have to deal with. It's something that we all interact with probably on a daily basis of our life. Now, your temptation might be different from mine. And sometimes we look judgmentally at other people who struggle with a temptation that doesn't belong to us. But if the curtain were pulled back, they might be the same for us. Each and every one of us deal with some temptation in our life. And guess who knows best what that temptation is? And that is Satan. And he comes knocking on your door every day and every week, trying to rip apart the relationship you have with God and those around you. That is Satan's desire. And we've got to be conscious about that and realize that. I don't know what your temptation is. Maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's easy to get into some funds at work and maybe take something that doesn't really belong to you. Maybe that's your temptation. Maybe, maybe you're a student and you didn't prepare for the test as well as you should have. And so you know a friend who's already taken the test and you get the answers from them. Maybe that is your temptation. Maybe you're one of thousands of men or women who wake up every day and plan their day about how they're going to look at pornography. Maybe, maybe you are an addict who's been clean for a few weeks or maybe even months, but you think today, today just one more hit, just one more time, I'm going to partake. Maybe you're a spouse who, who's not happy in the marriage that you currently find yourself in. And so you reconnect with an old flame through social media, wondering what might happen in the moment. Maybe you're a, a parent who kind of abdicates your role as a parent. And every day you come home from work, you just crash in front of the TV, veg out, rather than being a parent to your kids. I don't know what your temptation is, but I promise you, every single one of us deal with something. And we need the greatest overcomer of all to be in our life in order to overcome that temptation. Each and every one of us. There are moments when I am tempted. And I always think about what Paul said to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he reminds each and every one of us that God is in the mix, that he's in the picture, that he's helping us through the moment. Paul says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Did you hear what God just said to you? In your moment of distress, in your valley moment, when you think things are dark and dismal, when you feel alone, know that God will not allow anything to happen to you that you cannot endure. 
And that in the moment, he'll provide for you a way out. And so when I'm tempted, this is the one text that I go back to. If you have your own Bible, church, this is one that you need to highlight. It's incredible to know that our God loves us this much. He'll not allow more happen to you than what you can tolerate. And in the moment, he'll provide for you a way out. Joseph's story reminds me of three truths that are practical applications for us that we can kind of take home today and really feel secure in knowing. And one is this, that Satan wants you to fall. His desire, again, is that that your relationship with God be ripped apart, that your integrity, trust, and character with those around you be ripped to shreds. He doesn't care about you. He'll offer you anything, but he wants you to fall. Joseph has climbed the ladder of success in Potiphar's home, but then Satan enters the picture again at the very end of verse 6. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against my God. Even in the moment of temptation, he brings up the name of God. And when I'm tempted, I know that Satan whispers the numerous reasons why it would be okay to succumb to this temptation. He's whispering to each and every one of us in our life, why would it be okay to give in? And you can imagine the laundry list that he's whispering to Joseph in this moment. Joseph, you know, your your family discarded you. They, they, They threw you away. They don't even care about you. They wanted to kill you. They sold you into slavery. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to feel like you belong? Wouldn't it be nice to to be wanted and loved? I mean, Joseph, why why don't you just live a little? I mean, get out there and live a little. You're a slave. This is as good as it's going to get. You need to take the moments of freedom and excitement when you can. They don't come often. This is a moment for you. You you know if you don't do what she says, she's going to make life difficult for you. It's going to be even tougher than it already is if you don't follow her lead. And by the way, no one will ever know. She doesn't want anybody to know either, so she's not going to talk. You can hear Satan whispering in the ear of Joseph. And maybe in your own life, you've heard some of these phrases yourself trying to convince you to give away the relationship that you've built with God. Joseph says, how can I give up the integrity that I have with my master and sin against God? And it reminds us in those moments of intense valley, dark aloneness, that you and I need to ask the very difficult question for Satan to hear. And that is, in this moment, what do I do to honor God? The minute you say the name of Jesus Christ, I promise you, Satan leaves. Because his name alone is that powerful. You say, Jesus Christ, deliver me. Show me the way out. What am I supposed to do? How do I honor him in this moment? And we look at story after story in Scripture of of folks who caved in to temptation. 
The very first one, Genesis chapter 2 and 3, Adam and Eve, we don't know how long they were in the garden, but they were there for quite some time. The story tells us they had run of everything, even in the cool of the day. God comes down to walk with his creation. I, I try to put that picture in my mind, and it's, it's absolutely unbelievable to think that the creator would come and hold hands with the created and say, how's your day been? Tell me what you did today. God looks at the Garden of Eden and he says, you've got all of this except for that one tree way over there. Don't go near it. Don't climb it. Don't go to sleep against it. Don't pick the fruit. Don't eat the fruit. Don't carve your name in the bark. Don't go near the tree, the one tree. But you've got everything else. And we don't know how many days the liar, the deceiver, the tempter came and talked to Adam and Eve and They finally caved in selfishly. And in that moment, we lost the dearest relationship that we ever had. And ever since that moment, God has been working toward trying to get us back. He wants a relationship with you. He sent his son to die for you. He loves you that much. We look at Joseph. Saying no to the temptation. Adam accepted the temptation and destruction followed. Joseph declined the temptation and eventually deliverance comes for Joseph. Which one sounds better to you? Destruction or deliverance? Because I will promise you this church. Satan cannot and will not ever hold up any promise that he's giving you right now. John chapter 8 tells us that he is the father of lies. There is no truth that comes out of his mouth. He says nothing that is truthful. And so whatever he's promising you right now is not truth. He wants you to fall. And as we look at the story of of, uh, Joseph, we realize a second truth as well. That obedience doesn't always result in deliverance. And you've had that experience as well in your own life. You, You do the right thing. And immediately, there's not a release. Things don't necessarily get better right away. You've had that experience in your life. Joseph is saying, I'm not willing to damage the relationship I have with my master, nor with God. I'm not going to let that go for some temporary fix. But he doesn't get delivered right away. In my first youth group, I was with many, many, many years ago. Um, there was a girl in our group by the name of Mercy. Mercy was one of our group leaders. She was a great gal, still is. And she, I knew she was going to, to high school parties on the weekend, and I knew what was happening at those parties, and I talked to her about that situation. And she said, Tim, I'm going to these parties so I can be the light, so, so I can tell the story through my, my own life of how Jesus has changed me. And we talked off and on. I couldn't convince her otherwise. Some years later, she came, to back to me, came back to me confessionally saying, you know, I was partaking at those parties. I wasn't able to say no. I wanted to be in that group in that moment in time. And I've since moved through that. But in the moment, it reminds me as I think about that story. As I think about what Joseph is doing in his story. Now, you and I need to have some resolve in our own life. And it might mean some change in our own life. If you have a problem with drinking, don't go to the party. 
If your friends bring you down with poor language and poor life choices, you might need to get some new friends. People who have the same spiritual conviction that you do, the same goals in life that you do. If you had an affair at work, transfer to a different location, quit that job, get a new job. It's literally that important. Take yourself out of the moment where the temptation seems most real. Someone like Potiphar's wife is trying to get at you. Verse 10. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Now, now we don't know exactly how she organized and manipulated the situation, but everyone's out of the house. It's just her and Joseph and they're alone in the room together. And she leans into him and grabs his clothing and says, come to bed with me. No one's around. No one will know. It'll be okay, Joseph. And rather than losing his integrity, rather than losing a relationship he might have with God, he simply lets the clothing slip off and he runs outside. Joseph would rather be humiliated outside than to lose its integrity inside. And sometimes in our own lives, I'm not sure that you and I are ready to be humiliated. It might be time in our own life to run outside rather than lose our integrity. Because so many times you've heard this before in your own life. I know I have. I've got this. I can take care of this. I can handle this. But most people tend to underestimate their ability to handle adversity and overstate their ability to handle temptation. I mean, it's your own home. If you don't have a war room set up, if you don't have a place of prayer for yourself where you are daily involved in interacting with God, if you're not in the word of God getting ready for battle, church, it's going to be a short engagement. Because God has given us the tools to combat Satan and his lies. You know, right now, our culture is at an all-time low of biblical literacy. That simply means people don't know basic stories in God's Word. Church, we've got to get back to knowing the Bible. We've got to get back to digging into the Word of God to discover how we're called to live. We've got to get back to telling our own children and grandchildren these incredible stories of how God is awesome. And now He will deliver. You see, what I've discovered along the way is that if you want to walk with God, you've got to run from the devil. If you want to run from the devil, you've got to walk with God. The writer of Hebrews tells us in those idea of words, verses 1 and 2. The writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the grace God has set out before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The writer says we we get rid of everything that hinders our run with the Lord, that, that we focus our eyes on Jesus Christ, who wants the very best life for us, who wants the very best thing for us. And so we run the race that's set out in front of us without any endurance, without any hindrances rather, when we focus our eyes on Jesus Christ. 
And her story continues in verse 13. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. We see that when she doesn't get her way, then the false accusations begin. Joseph ends up doing exactly what God would want him to do. But the opposite of what he hoped for is going to happen in his life. And you've had those moments before in your life as well. Moments when you chose to do the right thing, but you got smacked anyway. You fell down anyway. You got hurt anyway. You felt alone anyway, even though you did the thing that you thought God was calling you to do in the moment. God shows us his faithfulness to Joseph, even in the valley. And God will be faithful to you as well in your valley. In the moments when you feel alone, when you feel left out, when you feel maybe darkness hovering around you, know that because your eyes are focused on him, that he's faithful to you. You see, Joseph is going to go to another pit. It's a dungeon. And this is the real deal. This is the king's dungeon. It's where torture happens. It's where you sit on death row forever. There are no lawyers. There are no plea deals. You are just there at their pleasure. You are a piece of property. And we look at Joseph's story and we think that isn't really fair. But church fair ended at the Garden of Eden because Satan doesn't play fair. He wants to, again, tear you down. But what we discover as we read through the stories in God's word over and over again, what we discover is that our God is the God of the impossible. He can do things that you never dreamed possible because of who he is. And he will take a story that Satan is meaning for, for evil. And he will create a redeeming story in your life through the very efforts that Satan is putting out. He does have a plan for you, and he will see you through. He saw Joseph through his story, and he'll be with you in your story as well. Which brings us to truth number three you do whatever it takes to run. You run away from the temptation that Satan is placing before you. When temptation comes our way, we tend to to count what we might gain rather than what we might lose in the moment. Because, see, Satan loves to appeal to our God-given character, who we are on the inside. He appeals to our need for companionship and fulfillment and joy and freedom. But again, I want to remind you, Satan can never fulfill any promise that he gives you. He is the father of all lies. As you look at the story of Jesus begin to unfold, especially Matthew chapter 4, it's at the very front end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's baptized. He comes up out of the water, baptized by John the Baptist. The Spirit of God comes to rest upon Jesus. The voice says, this is my son. Listen to him. He's about to announce the kingdom is here. He's then led out into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting He's about to be tempted 
by Satan. Now, this is the documented three moments of temptation that Satan gives Jesus that have been written down. But know this, Jesus was tempted every day of his life, just like you and I, except was without sin. What I see in that text in Matthew 4, it says that God led Jesus into the wilderness. And what that tells me is that our God is comfortable leading you through an uncomfortable place. He will never leave you. Even in a valley, even when things aren't going your way, even when you've made great decisions but things aren't turning out like you hoped, He is not going to leave you. And in that wilderness, during the moments He interacts with Satan himself, Jesus continues to say three words. It is written. And church, it reminds me again that we have got to be in the Word of God. It has got to be a part of our life. It's got to be written on our heart so that when temptation comes, we can also speak words of truth that come from God. And we can help other people who are along the way when we do that. The more you read the story of Jesus, the more you'll begin to fall in love with this incredible Savior that we have. It's why we should be in God's word as he reminds us that he's calling us home, that he wants to be a part of our life, that he's never going to leave us. So there may be moments when you stand for integrity, but you're vilified. There may be moments when you commit to purity and you may lose your popularity. There may be moments in your life That you want to live out a good work ethic and your boss screams at you and is not happy with you. There may be moments when you serve humbly and somebody else gets the credit. Our call is to do what's right and leave the rest to God. Know that he is with you in this moment. In church, we're going to be tempted. And there are going to be moments when you and I drop the ball, when we don't make a good choice, when we succumb to that temptation. But that's the beauty of God's grace. You and I are going to mess up. And that's even more reason why we need Jesus Christ. It's his blood that cleanses us. That we walk in grace when we decide to follow him. That when God looks at us, he sees his son, not Tim. Praise God for that. We can know the extent of God's grace through his son, Jesus Christ. The psalmist writes in Psalm 103 that as far as the east is from the west, our sin has been thrown from us. Praise God. It's so important that you and I realize God never leaves us. And our story today concludes beginning in verse 20. So he took Joseph, Potiphar, and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. The Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Why? Because the Lord was with Joseph. And guess what? He will be with you as well. 
Wherever you find yourself this morning, whatever temptation you're grappling with, whatever dark moment you believe yourself to be in, know this, that God will deliver you when you are faithful to him. And so that's our call this morning is that we would embrace the story of Jesus Christ and know that God has great plans for you in your life. We are all going to have mountaintop experiences and valley moments. But wherever you find yourself on the mountain, know that God is with you. He's never left you. And it's our call this morning to realize that we too can overcome because of the great overcomer. We serve a risen Savior, do we not, church? He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's the Son of God. And He loves you desperately. He wants a relationship so dear and deep with you. And so it's our call this morning to realize that in our own life, to take hold of the truth that he speaks to us and not listen to the voice of Satan, the tempter, who cannot reveal anything that is true. Our call is to lean into the story he has for us, to know that you've got a God that loves you, that you have been forgiven, that he's never going to leave your side. As we sing this next song, our shepherds and our, uh, their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. And my guess is that for many of us in here, we're struggling with something right now. There's something going on in our life. I, I know that. And so as we sing this song, please find one of our shepherd couples and let them pray over you and for you. That you would have wisdom and discernment, that you'd know exactly what to do in your moment. That you would realize God's with you right now, even as you do battle. And he's empowering you to do it even better. Let's stand together and praise his name and thank him for what he's done.